Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Yeah. Welcome in, everybody. Episode oh, 6. Yeah. Oh, Spotify. Awesome. the podcast in Assuming America. And the Tour Sports Podcast presented by Betfred Sportsbook. It is Friday. December 30th, 2022. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day, and I hope everybody is ready for a loaded final episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast in 2022. Not final episode ever. That, I promise you, is not happening. Here is what is happening on today's show. Quick show, fun show. This is what you need to know. We will start college football playoff preview. We talk Georgia, Ohio State, who I like to win, why, how it goes down. We talk TCU, Michigan, who I like to win, how it goes down. Very quick thoughts on the other New York Six Bowl games, the orange, the sugar, the rose, the cotton. From there, we take a quick break and we talk college hoops. Kentucky, chaos, Kentucky, disaster. They lose to Missouri. You know I got a lot of thoughts, but really mostly I open it up to you guys and girls. I got three or four really good kind of emails and DMs about that game. I'll share some of those. Also, we'll talk about the rest of the night on Wednesday in college hoops as Villanova, I thought, played really well, even though UConn won, LSU and Arkansas down to the wire, on and on and on and on and on. Before we get started, I do want to welcome my presenting sponsor. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see me pointed to their logo, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. Listen, I've told you, nobody takes care of their customers like Betfred Sportsbook. Nobody has a better story than Betfred Sportsbook. Started in 1967 in the UK, over 1,600 shops in the UK. They have since come to the United States and made a major, major, major splash. They are the presenting sponsor of the Denver Broncos, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Colorado Rockies, and here is why I want to talk about them today in just two days from now. Just two days from now, legal sports betting comes to the state of Ohio and Betfred is throwing the party of the century for the, the state of Ohio. Here is what you need to know. If you live in Ohio, if you live in Cincinnati, here is the deal, okay? So, uh, Sunday afternoon, noon Eastern, Foling Warehouse in Cincinnati, okay? It's really funny. I was talking to Paul Kirshner, uh, Paul Frischner, excuse me, who covers the Xavier Musketeers. He's going to be there. Bottom line, Foling Warehouse, Cincinnati, noon Eastern. 
They are having a launch party spectacular. Anthony Munoz is going to be there. Drake Kirkpatrick is going to be there. All day best betting uh, competitions. Oh, by the way, here's the deal. Monday Night Football in Cincinnati. They're giving away dozens of tickets to the Bengals-Bills game, Foaling Warehouse is where you want to be. Betfred Sportsbook, Betfred Sportsbook app. I appreciate them. Now, I'll tell you, be honest. I was supposed to be there. This whole Southwest thing screwed up a lot of things for me. I will not make it. I will be there in spirit. But Betfred Sportsbook, they are throwing the launch party of the century. If you live in Cincinnati, let me know. I'll get you on the list. This is where you want to be on New Year's Day for the launch of sports betting in Ohio. Really quickly, I also want to thank Bracket Fanatics, the sponsor of our Aaron Torres Pod NFL Pick'em Challenge. By now, you know Bracket Fanatics deal. They have been our presenting sponsor of our NCAA Tournament March Madness pool for years. They do a great job. Love working with them. They have dabbled in the NFL space, and now they have a Pick'em Challenge, which we have done with the Aaron Torres Pod, okay? So this is the deal. All you got to do, go to BracketFanatics.com, sign up, Bracket, they're going to ask you to join Bracket. Click the Join Bracket tab, Bracket name Torres, sign up there, and you're automatically entered. $1,000 season-long cash prize. You can still enter that. That would be great if you could enter and be part of that. But also, giving away $100 weekly winners to every single weekly winner. So we've given out 16 weekly winners so far. We have two left. I do want to quickly congratulate the week 16 winner, Ryan's picks. He had 13 of 16 total picks right in week 13. Many good ones, including obviously took care of business on Monday night football. He had the Packers over the Dolphins. He had the Steelers over the Raiders on Christmas Eve night. Congrats to Ryan's picks. Bracketfanatics.com. Join bracket. Bracket named Torres. Not too late to sign up. But with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day. For the first time in about a month, we got ourselves some college football games to preview. That is right. Look, here's the bottom line is, listen, I love bowl games as much as anybody. There's all there's a big anti-bowl game crowd out there. I don't understand those people, okay? I don't understand the people who complain about having as much football as we do. If you don't want to watch Syracuse, Minnesota in the pinstripe bowl, just don't watch it. I like bowl games, but the one thing I always try to do with you guys and girls as an audience, I always try to be fair. I always try to be honest and I always try to be sincere. And I can't pretend to give you a full preview of all of these bowl games that have happened at this point, right? The Camellia Bowl, the Myrtle Beach Bowl with my Yukon Huskies, on and on. I, the, the, the Las Vegas Bowl with the Florida Gators, half the teams opted out or hit the portal. Like, I, I can't sit here and pretend to give sound advice on how I think games are going to go down. So instead, I just enjoy them. Instead, I just watch, you know, Arkansas blow a 25-point lead and beat Kansas in the Liberty Bowl the other night. I enjoy it. It's fun. But now we're at some games that I think we can actually talk about, games that we can handicap, games that we can share thoughts on. Then obviously, I'm going to start with the college football playoff, and then from there, we'll get to the other New Year's Six Bowl games that are all this weekend. In terms of the college football playoff, I think you know by now. TCU Michigan's the early game. Georgia Ohio State is the late game. And I do want to start with the late game. Because that is the game that everybody tells me they are so excited to watch because it is going to be so awesome. Georgia enters the game as a six and a half point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook over Ohio State. And what I keep getting told about this game is two things. One, oh, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one because we get that incredible Ohio State offense 
versus that incredible Georgia defense. And then what I also get told is, I know everybody liked Georgia early, but the reports out of Ohio State camp are they have a newfound lease on life and they're ready to go. And they've never been more focused than they are right now. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't really believe that first narrative and I definitely don't believe that second narrative. So let's get to it. And let's start with the first narrative. The first narrative being, oh my goodness, that Ohio State offense versus the Georgia defense. It's strength on strength. It's ones V ones. It's best on best. It's the immaculate force meeting the immovable object. I'm not totally sure I buy it. And here's why. I think the Georgia secondary is probably a little bit underrated at this point. And I think the tennis or the Tennessee, the Ohio State offense is honestly a little bit overrated. So let's get into it. Let's talk about, let's discuss, let's debate. And I'll start with Georgia. Because when I think about this game, when I think about Ohio State versus Georgia, here's one thing that comes to mind. Everybody tells me how Ohio State's going to move the ball up and down the field against Georgia. But you know what I think about when I think about this game? I think about another game that happened earlier this year, probably Georgia's most anticipated game of the season. It was when the number one team in the country, the Tennessee Vols, yes, Tennessee was number one in that first college football playoff poll, when they went between the hedges against Georgia, Georgia was about a seven-point favorite. Everybody said, eh, how are you going to slow down that Tennessee offense? And do you remember what happened? Tennessee could not do anything. It was absolutely unbelievable to watch a Tennessee team that came in that game uh, averaging about 550 yards of total offense. Yeah, against the Georgia Bulldogs, that Tennessee offense that was averaging 500-plus points per game, uh, yeah, they had about... Under 300, 289 to be exact. Uh, Tennessee offense that was averaging about 350 passing yards per game. They had 195 yards. And it was, listen, I think there's an upgrade. There's a degree of more talent at Ohio State. But at the same time, think about that Tennessee team that walked onto the field at, in Georgia in Athens, okay? You had Hendon Hooker, who I think if he had stayed healthy, probably wins the Heisman Trophy. Elite college quarterback. I don't know how he is as an NFL player, but elite college quarterback. Jalen Hyatt, maybe the fastest wide receiver in college football, wins the Bolitnikov Award, potential first-round pick. Cedric Tillman, back in that game, potential first-round pick. So don't tell me that, oh, Tennessee, it's a completely different ball game. Georgia hasn't seen anybody like Ohio State. Georgia saw the best quarterback in college football this year, for my money, outside of Caleb Williams, maybe. And at his best, I don't know if Caleb Williams was even better than Hendon Hooker. And Tennessee had two first-round wide receivers, and they could do nothing against Georgia. And so that's the first part to me. I just don't think we realize how good Georgia is, how deep they are. The fact that they were better than just about everybody they played at just about every position. Remember, Georgia didn't play its best week in, week out, but they were great in the games that matter the most. They beat Oregon, a good Oregon team that finished that that will potentially that finished with 10 wins. They beat them 49 to 3. The they also played on top of that that Tennessee team that I just mentioned. Tennessee came in scoring a million points, doing whatever they do, can't be stopped, won't be stopped. Georgia plays them, and they score 13 points. Only touchdown comes late in the fourth quarter, and they beat LSU by 20 in the SEC championship game, they being the Georgia Bulldogs. And so to me, what stands out to me about Georgia, they're a big game team, and when I think about that Tennessee game, I just think about the fact Tennessee could not do anything on either side of the ball. Georgia was bigger. They were faster. They were more athletic. They were more skilled. Uh, Tennessee couldn't open holes on the offensive line. They couldn't get receivers open in the passing game. They couldn't get rush. They couldn't get edge rushing on defense. Ohio State's a little bit better, a lot better maybe even. But are they going to be able to move the ball against Georgia? I'm not sold. They are. 
on the flip side, here's the other thing about Ohio State nobody wants to talk about. Do they have an elite offense or do they put up elite numbers against bad teams? Because there is a difference between having an elite offense and putting up elite numbers against elite teams. It's funny. I was thinking about Ohio State. To me, Ohio State, and specifically C.J. Stroud, and Ohio State fans have fun with this clip. Make fun of me if you want, if I end up being wrong on this. You know how, like, you're on a diet, you know, like it's New Year's. Think about it. It's New Year's right now, right? And everybody's going to go on their little diet and have a good time. And what's the one thing you don't want to do when you go on your diet this New Year's? You don't want to have empty calories in your diet, right? When you eat your calories, you want to be like the liver king. Well, minus the steroids. You want to be like the liver king, and you want to eat only the best the things that are going to help you the most. You don't want to have beer. You don't want to drink your carbs. You don't want to uh, have sugar in your soda. You want to, if you're going to consume calories, you want them to be good calories. Well, Ohio State, to me, their offense is kind of like that. They they put up good numbers, but it's a lot of empty numbers. Empty numbers against teams that don't matter. And look at C.J. Stroud and look at this passing, because everyone tells me how great this passing game is. Look at this passing game against the elite teams, Okay. So I'm led to believe that C.J. Stroud is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Ohio State's offense is one of the best in the country as well. Well, here's what C.J. Stroud did in his biggest games. 31 of 46 versus Michigan, two touchdowns, two interceptions. I wouldn't say that was elite. Against Penn State, he had one touchdown pass, no interceptions, did throw, go 26 of 33, but what were the memorable throws in that game? I don't really remember a lot of them, and Ohio State trailed late into that game, and it was the defense that bailed him out multiple defensive touchdowns late in the game. Travion Henderson broke off a big run. Travion Henderson's not available for this game. And then even dating back to week one against Notre Dame, CJ Stroud, one touchdown, zero interceptions, 223 yards. So against the three best defenses that he faced all year, CJ Stroud, this guy that I'm told is amazing, had a grand total of four touchdowns and two interceptions in the three biggest games of his career. So don't tell me about what C.J. Stroud did against Indiana or Rutgers or a bad Michigan State team or Northwestern or Wisconsin. I don't care who. What did he do against the best teams? He wasn't good. And so that's where he concerns me. I should mention, by the way, 5 of 16 on third down for Ohio State uh, in that uh, Michigan game. 4 of 12 against Penn State on third down. Not converting third downs. Not converting big plays. And so I look at this game, why is this going to change against Georgia? And beyond that, that really leads me to the second point about this game, which was what I said a minute ago. Since the season ended, I think most people when the season ended, they saw this game and they like me, liked Ohio State. Said we like Ohio State. They're beating Ohio State. They're beating Georgia. We, we like Georgia. I'm all over the place today. Forgive me. Last podcast of 2022. Okay. Been a long year. Not feeling great. Battling the elements. Battling Southwest. What a. All right, let's get back on track here. When this game was announced, I think most people thought, okay, Georgia, 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 Georgia. Then we did the thing that we tend to do every single year when we have too much time to overanalyze a game. We start to try to talk ourselves into Ohio State, and that's what I feel like has happened over the last few weeks. The best part was, by the way, the one that I mentioned a minute ago, the one where people said, well, you know, the report's out of Ohio State. They really feel like they are playing their best football. And they really feel like they have a new lease on life and they are not going to let this go by the wayside. Well, here's my question. Why didn't they have that attitude against Michigan, right? I mean, think about the Michigan game this year. What was on the line against Michigan in that game? Had lost to Michigan the year before. Lost a chance to make the college football playoff. Lost a chance to compete for a Big Ten title. 
That was all still on the line this year, including the revenge factor, plus they were at home. And they still got destroyed by Michigan. So don't tell me that Ohio State is somehow rejuvenated or re- they might be rejuvenated, but show me in a big game. Because as I said, why I like Georgia in this game, why I'm picking Georgia to win and cover the six and a half points in the Betfred Sportsbook is because I need to see something from Ohio State that convinces me that they are who you guys tell me they are. You guys keep trying to tell me big game team figure. Here's the bottom line. Last six games against top 15 teams. Here's what Ohio State has done, and I've shared this stat before. Three and three overall against top 15 teams. Not top five, not Bama and Georgia, not the SEC, not Michigan. Top 15 teams, three and three. In the three wins that they have, two of the wins they trailed at half, one of the wins they trailed going into the fourth that was Penn State earlier this year. So essentially, in the last six games, the last two years, that they have played teams with similar talent, similar production, similar skill. Ohio State has had one really good game. That was against a Michigan team that had a Michigan State team last season that had a terrible secondary. So I like Georgia in this game. I don't buy the Ohio State narrative. It's the same as Bama to me. I've been told for all these years, Bama, 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 Bama. Just give Bama time. They'll figure it out. They'll flip a switch. Bama never flipped a switch. And I feel the same about Ohio State. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Really quickly on TCU Michigan. You know, I'm like a lot of people. You know, I think when I look at this game, I think there are two, two divergent thoughts that I have. Michigan, a seven and a half point favorite, by the way, in the Bedfred Sportsbook game is in Glendale, Arizona at the Cardinal Stadium. And when I look at this game, what stands out to me is this, is that I, like I said, two different divergent thoughts on this game. I think the first thought that I have is probably the thought that all you guys and girls have, which is Michigan's bigger. They're more powerful. They're more physical. We've seen them on a big stage. They punked Ohio State. And when you look at the actual matchups in this game, it is hard not to like Michigan to win going away. Again, a seven and a half point favorite in the Bedford Sportsbook. Just think about when you think about these two teams, think about what advantages would you think Michigan has and what advantages do you think TCU has? Well, Michigan, the advantage, obviously the running game, right? Number four rush offense in all of college football. This is a team that on the season averaged 243 yards per per game on the ground. Actually, number five behind Air Force, Army, Mississippi, uh, Ole Miss, and and UCLA. But fifth-ranked rush rush offense. So you think, okay, advantage Michigan. How are they going to counter that? Well, here's the problem. TCU, this season, they finished with the 65th-ranked 
rush defense, bottom half of college football, middle of the pack in the in the Big 12. Here's the bigger concern. The last time that they played, we all saw them against Kansas State. Kansas State is a team that is built similarly to Michigan, big, strong, physical up front. Kansas State rushed for 205 yards on the ground, five yards per carry in that game. So that's one. First advantage, Michigan run game. How does TCU counter? I don't know if they can. So here's the counter to that. Well, what does TCU do? Well? They have an explosive offense predicated on big plays. This year in college football, TCU ranked fourth nationally in terms of big plays, long scrimmage plays, plays of 30-plus yards per game. The only teams that had more plays of 30-plus yards, Tennessee, Northern, North Texas, and Western Kentucky, then it was TCU, 44 plays of 30 yards or more in 13 games. Not great at math, but that's about four per game. Well, here's the problem with that. Michigan is in the top 10 nationally in fewest big plays allowed. So that's where I get tripped up in this game. Michigan's advantage, I don't know how TCU stops it. And then TCU's advantage, well, Michigan might have an answer for that. So that's where I get tripped up on this game. And here's another thing I don't think people are talking about. By the end of the season, Michigan was pretty banged up. And this time away has allowed them to get healthy. I don't think people are talking about this. Donovan Edwards, the star running back who replaced Blake Corn. Remember the last two games he had that big cast on his on his arm? Well, early bowl prep, when media was allowed, he didn't have a cast on his hand. He seemed good to go. Mike Morris, who was Michigan's best defensive lineman, a guy who missed the Big Ten championship game, a guy who was limited in the Ohio State game earlier this year. He's back. Mike Morris, a guy who was a difference maker up front for this team. Again, all Big Ten, 11 tackles for loss on the season, seven and a half sacks. He barely even played against Ohio State. Well, now he's back healthy. The big center, Olu, I don't even want to pretend to say his last name. He was in a walking boot late late after the Ohio State game. He is now fully healthy for this one. So I think I like Michigan. And I'm going to pick Michigan, and that's my official pick. But I do have one last thought that I do want to share. So as you guys and girls know, I love what I do. I'm very grateful. And I'm a little bit of a historian of all things college sports. And the only real thing that does concern me a little bit about this game is this. Doesn't this feel like some of those old Big Ten games from about 15 years ago? Remember all those Big Ten games when Ohio State with Jim Trestle played Florida in the national championship game? And everybody said, how's Florida going to be able to handle the physicality up front of Ohio State? And then you look, and Florida's just way faster, and they're running right by Ohio State on every play. And then the next year, Ohio State gets back to the national championship game. Same story. How how is LSU going to handle the physicality of Ohio State? And then LSU just runs right by them. Kind of the same with Georgia-Michigan last year. Well, TCU is, is obviously super dynamic. They are super athletic. They are a big play offense, as I just discussed. They're actually a pretty balanced offense as well. And what I do worry about, what if we're underselling the big play ability of TCU? Quinton Johnson averaged 17 yards per catch, five touchdowns. Tay Barber averaged 17 yards per catch, four touchdowns. Darius Davis, five touchdowns, 12 yards per catch. Savion Williams, 13 uh, yards per catch, four touchdowns. What if... We're all focused on how does TCU stop Michigan's physicality, and we should be focused on can Michigan stop the big play from TCU. 
Like I said, though, Michigan this year has been pretty good. Michigan has obviously faced a good offense in Ohio State. And so I'm not ready to make that move yet, but it is something I'm thinking about. But I will take Michigan, and I will I will take the points in this one. Michigan, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, as I said, in the Betfred Sportsbook. Really quickly, let's get to the other games. And I'm not going to spend too much time on them, but in terms of the other big games, and I do, of course, um, I do, of course, um, have my picks up at AaronTorresOnline.com. You can find them there. But let's get to some of the other big games. The first marquee bowl game, the first New Year's Six bowl game, it is tonight. It is in Miami. It is the Orange Bowl, Clemson versus Tennessee. Clemson, a six-point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook. And I'll tell you, I do like Clemson in this game. Bottom line is, one, Tennessee is banged up. No Hendon Hooker. Tennessee has dealt with a bunch of opt-outs. Cedric, uh, Cedric Tillman and uh, Jalen Hyatt, those two-star wide receivers, are not playing in this game. And I do think when I look at it from the Clemson perspective, like I do wonder if Clemson has a new pep in their step now that Cade Klubnick's the starter. Remember, DJ Uwe Laganlele is gone. He transferred to Oregon State. He ain't coming back. He ain't playing in this game. Cade Klubnick's the guy. I do like Clemson in this game. The Sugar Bowl, Alabama, six and a half point favorite. I like Alabama. You know, I know I've I've gotten burned believing in Bama, but I have to feel like if Will Anderson and Bryce Young opted into this game, they got to be ready to go. They got to be focused. I like Bama. Um, the late game or the early game on Monday, that is the the Cotton Bowl, USC and Tulane. Doesn't this feel like the game where USC was an inch away from the college football play? Well, a game away from the college football playoff. They come out unprepared, unready to go. No Jordan Addison. This one, I lean to Lane plus two. And then the Rose Bowl, which because Southwest screwed me on getting to Cincinnati, I will be at the Rose Bowl. Utah, two-point favorite. I do like Utah. All right, so what I want to do, do want to take a quick break, do want to come back, and when we come back, we'll switch over to college hoops. Whew, you know I got some thoughts on Kentucky. What a loss to Missouri. Plus, we'll get to the rest of the Wednesday night in college hoops. UConn takes care of business against Nova. Am I allowed to say I was impressed by Nova? Also, on top of that, we got Arkansas LSU comes down to the wire, Alabama, Mississippi State. Take a quick break. Be right back. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. I do want to switch gears and I do want to hit on a little bit of college hoops, right? On Wednesday's show, we did a fun college hoops kind of look ahead to what you have missed and what you need to know. We hit on everything from the national championship contenders to the pretenders to the blue bloods to the this to the that, all that good stuff. And what I said on Wednesday's show was, you know, Wednesday night, we get a fun slate of games that I promise we will look at on Friday's show. We'll recap them. Well, Friday's show is here, and I do want to hit on some of those games. And the game that I want to start with, you already know what it is. It is obviously Kentucky-Missouri, as Kentucky looking for really its first marquee win of the season. I guess you could say Michigan is sort of a marquee win, but when Michigan's 7-4, and four, they lost their starting point guard in the middle of the game. I don't know that you can call that. that like That's not a win that you're going to write. You know, you're going to be telling your grandkids about 50 years from now. But I bring it up because I do want to talk Kentucky. And I, I already kind of know what some of you are going to say. Two, two quick thoughts before we get into anything. One, a lot of you are going to be like, Torres, you always talk about Kentucky. Well, actually, I think I've talked about Kentucky less this year just because they haven't given me much to talk about. Now, we've talked about their marquee games. We've talked about Gonzaga and Michigan State and UCLA. But I feel like I've talked just as much Alabama on this show so far this season. I feel like I've talked just as much UCLA, just as much Arkansas, just as much UConn, just as much whatever. But beyond that, what I do not want to do on today's show is spend too much time already going over all of the stuff that I have already hit on, right? I have already done the John Calipari is out of excuses rant probably half a dozen to a dozen times on this show over the past three years. I know I did it a bunch during that 2021 COVID year where they could not win against anybody. I mean, they went nine and 16 and that doesn't even tell half of the story of how bad that season was, but I did that rant a bunch that year. I did that rant after the St. Peter's game a season ago in the NCAA tournament. And I've done that rant probably twice this season already with Kentucky once after the Gonzaga game where they looked completely unprepared did not show up ready to play that I did after the UCLA game where with the loss, they fell to four and 13 versus ranked opponents. And so I'm not going to spend the next 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 30 minutes or five minutes talking about everything that's wrong with Kentucky. And this needs to get fixed. And that needs to get fixed. We've been there. We've done that. It's happened. Instead. What I want to do is I want to open it up to fans of Kentucky basketball, okay? Because rather than me yell and scream about how frustrating this is, how disappointing it is for a program with the resources, with the the highest paid coach in college basketball, I'm just going to let you hear from the fans themselves on what they think of the current state of things as Kentucky loses again on Wednesday night to a team in Missouri that is really good but is also coached by a first-year head coach in Dennis Gates, came from Cleveland State, and Dennis Gates, who I think is a heck of a coach, already has Missouri in better shape in six months on the job than John Calipari does over a decade-plus at Kentucky. So I'm going to read the, the the quotes and thoughts from Kentucky fans in a minute, but let me just, before I get to them, the only thought that I have on this game, and I do think it's important because I do think it's reflected in how a lot of Kentucky fans feel, why I have no patience with John Calipari, right? And by the way, Cal's been great to me. So this isn't like a, I don't like John Calipari. So let me throw dirt on his grave. No, but my job is to unbiasedly talk about college sports. And in this case, specifically college basketball. And he's simply not getting the job done. As I said, a minute ago, highest paid coach in the sport, 
Despite what he tried to tell you this summer, he has every resource needed to have success at the highest level. And he has not done that since 2015. And so as we look into what's wrong with Kentucky, what I would just say, if I had one complaint, then we'll get to some of the listener reader emails. What I would say is this. I am blown away that we are now basically at about the 50% point of the season. We're really at about the 48, 40, you know, 45 to 48%. We're not quite at 50%, but we're getting pretty close. And what blows me away and where I would be frustrated if I was a Kentucky fan, we're now almost at the halfway point and John Calipari has absolutely no idea what players play well together. The bottom line is, This is why you play an out-of-conference slate so that by the start of conference play, you know what guys you can go to proverbial, not literal because people get mad when you say it, but proverbial war with. That is the whole point about a conference play. What rotations, what works, what doesn't, who do you play with together? And so why I would be frustrated with Kentucky if I was a Kentucky fan is because Calipari clearly has no idea what players play well together, what rotations work, what don't. That is frustrating, That and that is especially unacceptable for a couple reasons. One, they played a foreign tour. Like, they went overseas, they got extra practices, extra games in the preseason, so that that's supposed to help them figure this out. Two, they have an experienced team. It shouldn't take you until February to figure out what pieces work together when really about Five to six of your most important pieces are guys who were in your program last year. Oscar Shibway was in your program last year. Severe Wheeler was in your program last year. Jacob Toppin was in your program last year. It is unacceptable. And here's the third thing. It'd be one thing if you played this loaded, unbelievable out-of-conference slate, like what Alabama did when they went to the PK-85, played UConn, Michigan State, North Carolina, then immediately came home and played Memphis, Gonzaga, and Houston. It'd be one thing if you played a schedule like North Carolina, which has already played at Indiana, Michigan and Ohio State on a neutral court, PK-85, all that good stuff. Or UConn, I should mention, by the way, PK-85, they've played three conference games, whatever. Kentucky's played now five with the Missouri game. Five conference games against power conference opponents, if you include Gonzaga. One and four, and they've been losing by an average of 12 points. So, I, that is why, like, the whole point of having a, a light out of conference slate is to get things figured out so you have it ready to go in league play. Only it's the opposite. Only Kentucky fans are frustrated. And so, with that said, let's get to a couple responses from Kentucky fans because I do think that their voices need to be heard today. I think rather than me yelling and screaming, I think, which I, I mean, I guess I already did. So, whatever. But rather than me yelling and screaming more, I think it's just best to read a few notes that I got on this team after the game on Wednesday night. This one came from someone named Clay. I won't use his last name for obvious reasons. He said, I am a lifelong Kentucky fan, and right now the only emotion I have towards this team is general apathy. I feel like the last few seasons have followed the exact same script. Reliance on transfers who take time to round into form coming from lower level programs, as well as freshmen who also take time to round into form, adjusting to speed and physicality of college ball. And by the time the team finally rounds into form around February every year, it's too late to make up for too much ground in salvaging a good tournament seed and all while the other teams are getting better as well. 
when Kentucky had superior talent at every position, it wouldn't matter. But it seems like we have Oscar and a bunch of Oscar Shibway, obviously, and a bunch of players who would be fine role players on past Kentucky teams. This isn't even getting to the fact that it seems like the modern game has passed Cal by, and he is either too prideful or doesn't think his current roster can play the way that 90% of teams are currently playing. The only person this falls back on is Cal. Maybe this upcoming recruiting class, I think everybody knows, number one recruiting class in the country, gets him back to his old ways. But looking forward to next year isn't something Kentucky fans are accustomed to in December. So what I would say is I I think Clay's email basically sums up where most of the frustration is. The only thing I would argue, you can't really say that you you dug yourself too big of a hole to get a good seed this year or or that every year that's what happens when he did get a two seed last year. But other than that, what I see from Clay is what I see from a lot of Kentucky fans. I think one, the word apathy is a word that I heard a lot on, uh, on Wednesday night. I have a buddy who's a Kentucky fan, listener to this show. I won't say his name, but I I shared his text on social media where he said, I'm done with this team. It's awful. Tell me what I need to know about UConn. I'm hopping on the bandwagon. I literally got that text from a buddy. And he, the point is it's apathy. It's apathetic. It, It is going into games, expecting the worst and then having that happen, which I'm going to get to in the next one. And then two, it's about the fact that there's no reason. This is the part that I think trips me up. There's no real reason to think it's going to get better. Like, what have we seen this year that makes us think it's going to get better? What have we seen that makes it think it's going to get easier as you get deeper into conference play where, oh, by the way, you have a game at Alabama and at Tennessee in the next few weeks. Second email I want to read. This one came from someone named Austin, came right after the game. He said, I have defended Cal for years, years being capitalized. But after tonight, I'm done, man. Not only did we lose to Mizzou by double digits, we lost to Mizzou with a first-year head coach by double digits. I have no interest in anything Calipari has to say outside of him saying, hey, we had a great run. I am not the guy anymore. It's time to step aside. That is the only statement from Calipari that will keep my attention on Kentucky basketball. We could literally beat Louisville by 90 next week, and I wouldn't give a That was from Austin, who is also a Kentucky fan. And so I think that's the other side of things, too. Is that what I just said? I don't know how it gets better even in this season. So those were a couple responses. Also had a few more that I couldn't share too many expletives. But I just want to bring it up because that is the state of Kentucky fans right now. They either don't care, are apathetic, or are so disappointed, or don't know what the answer is. I don't have an answer, and I'm tired of telling it. And so with that said, all I would say on the Kentucky game from Wednesday night is a few things. One Here are my final thoughts on the state of Kentucky basketball right now. Even if they turn things around, here's the thing. I think because of how the season has started, because they are going to exit out of conference play, they have one out of conference game left against Louisville, which is probably the worst power six program in college basketball, maybe outside of Cal. Um, Even if they beat Louisville, their out of conference resume is essentially Michigan. And so why I bring it up is because they're now getting to a point where even if they have a great season in the SEC, I do think the more losses that they take on, the harder that it's going to be to put themselves in position to have success. So even if they flip things around, even if John Calipari is listening to this segment and saying to himself, I got to get things figured out, and then he does, it becomes increasing. You're just so far behind the eight ball in terms of setting yourself up for where you want to go that I think that's the part that people are misinterpreting. 
I still think this team will probably make the NCAA tournament. I don't think it's a guarantee. But at the end of the day, the goal of Kentucky isn't to make the NCAA tournament. It's to put yourself in position to win a lot of games there, potentially get to a Final Four, especially when you have the reigning National Player of the Year. And so the more losses you take, the farther you fall down the seed line to Clay's first point, and you're battling an uphill battle to put yourself in position to make a run once you get to the tournament. So that, to me, is the biggest concern. I think the second biggest concern is something Austin hit on, which was Kentucky signed the number one recruiting class in high school basketball last year. And I think there were a lot of people that were excited about that. Four of the top 10 players in America. I think increasingly more fans are are not even excited about that because they feel like in their heart of hearts, how excited can I get? John Calipari's had every different team, every different excuse, every different this, every different that. All it results in is struggles on the court. So why is anything going to be different next year, even when we have the number one recruiting class coming in? And I think three, the only other thought that I really have on Kentucky, I think we're going to learn a lot about them, not in the Louisville game on Saturday. Their next SEC home game is next Tuesday night against LSU. And I bring it up because if Kentucky loses that game, that's the game that I have circled where I say if they lose that game, they might not be a tournament team. It sounds crazy for Kentucky fans. I don't know if you think it's crazy or not, but if you lose to LSU, LSU is probably a tournament team. If you can't beat tournament caliber teams on your home court, then it probably doesn't bode well for you having any level of success that it takes to get into the NCAA tournament, especially because the schedule is loaded this year in terms of the SEC. Over the next two weeks, Kentucky, within the first two weeks of the SEC regular season, will play at Alabama and at Tennessee. They play two games against Tennessee total. They have two games against Arkansas. They will play Auburn at Auburn. They will play Mississippi State at Mississippi State. Those are all NCAA tournament teams, most of those games on the road. And so that's my closing thought. I think LSU, to me, is the litmus test. If you lose that one, you're not going to, there's no reason to think you can win the games needed to make the NCAA tournament. Just something I'm thinking, but that's kind of my state of Kentucky basketball coming out of the Missouri game. Let's get to some of the other games from Wednesday night. We'll get back to the, oh, by the way, before we get to the other games, let me give, I spent 10 minutes, whatever, talking negatively about Kentucky. Let me give, throw some flowers at Dennis, Dennis Gates's feet really quick, because I'll tell you, if you listen to this show, I ranked all of the SEC coaches coming into last year. I said, I think this guy's going to be a star. This guy's going to be a stud. With that said, he is so far ahead of schedule with this Missouri team. Now, what people say is they've only played three games against real teams, if you want to even call Kentucky a real team. Smacked Illinois, smacked Kentucky. They got destroyed themselves by Kansas. People say their out-of-conference schedule was really light. What I would say is, one, I'm never going to discredit a head coach for going light in the out-of-conference in his first year. You obviously don't want to put yourself so far behind the eight ball. You're coming into a losing program. You don't want to then um, reinforce losing habits by playing a bunch of good teams early. But on top of that, um, I, I don't have a problem because they won the games. It's one thing if you schedule an easy out of conference schedule and you lose good, uh, you lose to bad teams. There are plenty of teams that have lost to bad teams throughout college basketball this year. Missouri isn't one of them. So I had no problem with the schedule. But where I want to give credit to Dennis Gates is this. Where I want to give credit to Dennis Gates is the fact that um, I just love what he's doing. First of all, his best players 
are either guys that he brought from Missouri with him. Demoy Hodge, their leading scorer, is a guy that he brought from Cleveland State to Missouri. I think I said he brought him from Missouri to Missouri. Guys that he brought from Cleveland State to Missouri. Demoy Hodge is a really good player. He's their leading scorer. He came from Cleveland State. Also, Kobe Brown, who went for 30 on Wednesday night, is a returnee. And I think there's something to the fact that he convinced that kid to come back to this program and then has gotten the absolute most out of him. And then what the other thing is that impresses me about Dennis Gates, specifically the Missouri head coach, what impresses me is this, is the idea that this was a guy that at Cleveland State, they were known for defense, they were known for toughness, and they tried to grind out a lot of 64-62 wins at Cleveland State. They are right now at Missouri, the second leading scoring team in all of college basketball. And so that to me is what's impressive. The fact that he is basically doing the opposite of Calipari. Calipari is, this is how I play. You guys figure it out. He's basically saying, these are the guys I got. Let's figure out a way to make this work. Credit to Missouri on the win. A couple other news and notes from across college hoops. Um, one, I get back to the SEC in a minute, but the number two team in the country, number one team in my poll and my heart as well, UConn. They did have their first real close contest of the season. They take care of Villanova at home, and they win by 6-66-58, I believe, was the final score in that one. And it's interesting because, you know, I did see a little bit of pushback on, like, UConn Twitter, if you will, that there was some level of disappointment with the win. It was 74-66, so they won by 8, excuse me. And I think the, the, the UConn fans were a little bit frustrated because UConn didn't play great, um, and Adama Sonogo, their, their leading scorer and their leading rebounder, only had seven points and one rebound. And what I would say to that is, if that's your takeaway, shame on you. Because one, I do think there is a level of, you know, there, there's a level of, it's Villanova. There's still a championship program with a championship pedigree. But two, I watched that game and it was clear that Villanova's game plan was to limit the inside touches of Adama Sonogo and Donovan Klingon, the Twin Towers, for UConn. They wanted to have guys beat them from the three-point line. UConn on the game attempted 33-pointers, including uh, six from Andre Jackson and one from Sonogo. And so it was clear they wanted to force UConn to make threes and hope that somebody other than Jordan Hawkins beats them. Well, it just so happens that Alex Caravan has three three-pointers. It just so happens that some other guys step up. But I just bring it up because I don't understand why UConn fans would be mad because it was clear the game plan was to take away Adama Sonogo and UConn still found a way to win. Now, what I would say is there were some concerning things from the UConn perspective. You get out rebounded. I believe that's the first time it's happened all year. Um, you're not great from the field. You got to convert better in the paint. But to me, this is just a tough Big East battle. And I'll take it a step further. Credit to Villanova. Villanova is a team that we've talked about a few times on this show. I had largely given up on them and they are just seven and six this season, but they dealt with injuries. They dealt with uncertainty early. Cam Whitmore, their star center is back. Now he didn't play great on Wednesday night against UConn, six points and three rebounds, but it's clear that they're a better team. This is not a game you Villanova would have even been competitive in a month ago. Now they go to UConn on the road, hostile environment, sellout crowd, everybody in their seats at, right at tip-off, and they easily could have won that game. So I would conclude with Villanova by saying, Villanova, if Villanova plays like that the rest of the season, there isn't a game left on the schedule they can't win. Because I think the middle of the Big East is pretty wide open. Not a lot of difference between Xavier, Marquette, Seton Hall, who's struggling, Creighton, who's struggling, et cetera. 
I was actually came away more impressed by Villanova than concerned about UConn. A couple other scores. How about my boy, friend of the Aaron Torres pod, Matt McMahon, Matty Ice, baby. That's what I call him anyway. Matty Ice, Matt McMahon, LSU getting a win over Arkansas. Final score in that one, 60 to 57. It was low scoring, but it was a very entertaining game. Very good back and forth SEC opener. The broadcasters did the cliche, it's only December, but this one feels like March. But it really did. Fun game overall. I think the Arkansas fans listening will say, eh, we didn't get a very favorable whistle late. I would agree with that. Late in the game, Anthony Black drives. Anthony Black probably got fouled. Anthony Black didn't. And then there was a crazy play on the inbound that resulted with an Anthony Black foul. Arkansas takes the loss. From the Arkansas perspective, listen, you could be frustrated with the refs, but just think about what I said. No Nick Smith, who we don't know if or when he's coming back. No Trevin Brazil. First true road game of the year. First SEC road game of the year against an LSU team that I believe is a tournament team. And you were a possession away from winning that game and probably should have. I think that's actually a great sign going forward in this conference. And to take it a step further, I just like how some of the other guys are developing in Arkansas. I've said from the beginning, this is what's great about Arkansas. The depth of this team. They can withstand injuries, and they did on Wednesday night. Anthony, or excuse me, uh, Jordan Walsh, I thought that was his best college game. 13 points, 9 rebounds, 2 steals, 2 blocks. That is a great college game. Devo Davis had probably his best game of the season, and you do it on a night where your star guard, Ricky Council, doesn't play well. So just think about that, Arkansas fans. Just think about that. Forget the refs. Forget this. Forget that. Think about that. First road game of the season. First SEC game of the season. LSU's a tournament team. Ricky Council doesn't play well. Oh, by the way, on top of everything else, no Trevin Brazil. We don't know Nick's missed status. And you're within one possession of winning the game. I actually think that's a positive for Arkansas, who will continue SEC play this coming weekend. They will host that Missouri team that we just discussed. 8 p.m., I guess not this coming weekend, but following the new year, early next week. That should be a fun one. Uh, Arkansas hosting Missouri. Really quickly from the LSU perspective, listen, we talked about Dennis Gates. Matt McMahon, their coach, is just a stud. Remember, this is a guy that came from Murray State. Really, really good coach. And I think we have to remember the situation he inherited. Remember, LSU last spring, when Will Wade was fired and the season ended, at one point, they had all 13 scholarship players either in the portal or declared for the draft, which meant at one point, Matt McMahon had a situation where he had zero scholarship players at LSU. Now, he re- he re-recruited a few guys, Adam Miller, uh, Mwani Wilkinson took in a few players from Murray State as well. But at the same time, this guy had zero scholarship players at one point, and he has LSU now at 12-1. and one. They will be ranked in the top 25 the next time uh, the new AP poll comes out. I was impressed by the depth of this team. Derek Fountain, Trey Hannibal, two transfers, one from Murray State, one from Mississippi State that did not play that much. And I think this shows you a couple things with the transfer portal. One, you really have to be able to evaluate and identify how guys are going to fit. Anybody can identify the guy that averaged 19 points per game in the Missouri Valley. Can you identify the guy that's the backup in the SEC, but if if he's given a chance, he can have success? Those are the kind of guys that you need to be able to find in the portal. Look at Trevin Brazil at Arkansas. Look at Derek Fountain last night or on Wednesday night, excuse me, for LSU. Look at Trey Hannibal, who who started in the SEC, then went to Murray State, then came back to the SEC with Matt McMahon. 
I think the other thing that really stands out, whether it is LSU at 12 and one, Missouri at 12 and one, or even Mississippi State at 11 and two, I think the days of the three year, four year rebuild are over. If you hire a coach and that coach tells you, yeah, it's going to take us about three, four years, you better run in the other direction. Matt McMahon had zero scholarship players at one point in the offseason. He figured a way out. Um, Dennis Gates is doing great work. Chris Jans at Mississippi State as well. And finally, I would say Mississippi State, I, I didn't mention it. They did lose their SEC opener at home to Alabama. To me, this is all about Alabama. Alabama, to me, such an impressive win. Mississippi State, tough physical team. They had How about this? They hadn't given up more than 66 points in any game this year. Alabama has that with about eight minutes to go. They score 78 points. They get the win. I just think that's a really, really impressive win for Alabama. Credit to them for getting the job done. They win the SEC opener. We'll see, but they just might be the best team in the SEC. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Before we get out of here, a couple things. One, I just want to say this. I want to thank all of you from the bottom of my heart sincerely for everything you've done for the Aaron Torres podcast in 2022. You guys and girls may think I'm just uh, I'm just John Smith in Roanoke, Virginia. I'm just Ed Kwok over here in Los Angeles. I'm just Michael B. Jordan, but not that Michael B. Jordan. I don't know all of your names. What I do know is this. I could not do it without you. I looked at the numbers prior to today's show. I was just kind of curious. YouTube numbers have exploded podcast downloads have exploded. So I don't want to be overly indulgent and maybe after college football, we'll do this again, but thank you all. Thank you for everything. Thank you for allowing me to do what I do to bring this show for you. Cannot thank you enough. Here's the best part. I'm not going anywhere. 2023. We're back and better than ever. Um, and so that's it. Thank you for listening. Make sure you're subscribed, rate and review all that good stuff, but I'm going to save all that and I'm going to get out of here. Shout out to Torn Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you F-head unblock me. Shout out to you guys and girls. Thank you for your support. I will be back on Monday. We'll recap the college football playoff. Hope everybody has a safe and happy, happy new year. Be responsible. Folding Warehouse, Cincinnati, Betfred Sportsbook. Tell them Taurus sent you. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus